Is it price that they're not saying yes yet? Like, what is the reason that they haven't already committed to say yes? Again, this isn't the first time that they're seeing your product or service. They picked up the phone or they clicked through your website or they got a referral from someone else, right? So they know quite a bit about your product or service already at this point. So what is it that they didn't just click the yes button? Welcome to the Women Choosing Growth Podcast, where we feature inspiring stories of success, challenges of growth, and lessons learned from women entrepreneurs, industry experts, and thought leaders who have been through the growing pains inevitable as an entrepreneur. Whether you are just getting started or are looking to scale up your business, our show is designed to provide you with the tools, resources, and community you need to grow your business. Join your host, Tina Sue, a lifelong entrepreneur and business growth advisor, as we explore topics such as marketing, sales, finance, leadership, and personal growth, all tailored specifically to the needs of women entrepreneurs. So if you're ready to grow your business faster and smarter, then this podcast is for you. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Hey, hey, welcome back, ladies. We are now in our third week of our sales series. So if you haven't listened to the first two episodes, part one is building strong sales foundations. Part two is sales strategies for growth. And today's topic is all about effective sales techniques. These are the skills and strategies that can make or break a deal. So by the end of this episode, you'll have a solid understanding of crafting your compelling sales pitch, overcoming objections, sealing the deal, negotiating win-win agreements, and ensuring your customers keep coming back. So let's dive in. The first strategy we're talking about today is crafting a compelling sales pitch. Now, the art of pitching is the gateway to capturing your potential customer's attention and interest. Your sales pitch, different from your messaging, which we talked about messaging and some of the marketing in episode one and two of the four-part series, but your sales pitch is like the opening act of a play. It sets the stage for what's to come. It's your opportunity to make a powerful first impression. Your sales pitch is often live or when it's either a customer's in front of you or you're virtual, but they have already seen your marketing and your branding. They're basically halfway down that sales funnel that we talked about. So this isn't the first... Usually by the time you get to the sales pitch, it's not the first time they've seen your products, your service, and what you know this product or service can do for them. So this, what we're talking about right here is when they're like, hey, I think I might want to buy what it is that you're selling. That's what this compelling sales pitch section is about. So your sales pitch needs to be concise, engaging, and tailored to the needs and more importantly, the pain points of your prospect. And it needs to convey that unique value of your product or service and how it addresses those specific problems. Let me back that up. We talked a little bit about your unique selling proposition, like what it is that makes your product or service work better or solve the problem better. 
We talked about that in the previous episodes, but that your sales pitch also has to, when you're actually talking to the prospect, you need to be able to follow that through again. So it is really about pain points and solving those pain points. So even if, you know, people buy to solve a problem. There's study after study on this that people aren't buying just it may seem like it's just fun or maybe your product or service is something that's sort of fun but it's it even if it's not considered a problem to some people it is a problem to the customer who's looking to purchase this thing right so think about even anti-aging products not every woman thinks that aging is a problem not all women will buy uh, products or even expensive products to keep them from looking their age but if you sell anti-aging products those are the people who don't believe that a product needs to or can or should or maybe I should just look my age then then I wouldn't be your ideal customer anyway and you you don't need to be trying to sell to me so those type of people wouldn't be your ideal customer but the messaging that if you're anti-aging it you would want to speak to the the group of people who perceive that aging or looking older is a problem, right? So it can be a perceived pain point or a perceived problem that many people maybe don't see it as a problem. So that's where when you're really talking about who your ideal customer is and what your product or service provides, it's really about that pain point. Maybe it's a service that you provide and it's, you know, let's say it's bookkeeping. Bookkeeping solves a problem. It's maybe the owner or the business can do it on their own, but the problem is it it's not fun or it takes up too much time or it's just not something that they want to put on their plate right now. So those are kind of the where you want to work through what that problem is that your that your product or service solves. So when you're pitching and you're talking to the pr- prospective client, you really need to know and hone in on those those perceived problems. So we we like I said we talked about knowing your unique product or service. If you're not sure what stands your product or service out from your competition or if you're unclear of what that problem is that your product or service solves, please stop listening right now and go back to the two previous parts of this four-part series and listen and then come back. So you really need to know that before you're talking live or you know via Zoom or however it is that you're talking to your prospects. Very, very, very important to have the, that messaging also come through in your sales pitch. Second biggest strategy for uh, is overcoming the objection. So let's say you're on the phone and you're talking to a prospect that wants to buy your product or service. Somewhere along that process, they may be thinking that this isn't for them or they're waiting for you to basically sell them, right? So somewhere in the process, you're likely going to have a roadblock that could, if you weren't prepared, could derail the whole deal. They won't come back, they'll go to your competition, or they just won't even buy the thing in the first place. So often objections or delays in saying yes to, yes, I want to purchase your product or service, it usually is coming from misunderstandings, doubts, concerns, that the prospect may have. So the key to handling objections effectively is to anticipate them. Assume everyone that you try and sell your product or service to is going to have some objections. 
you need to be prepared for them or your staff, whoever is answering and talking, answering the phone or talking to people on the chat bot on your website, whoever is client or prospect facing needs to know what the answers to common objections would be from your particular, you know, client or potential client. So when objections arise, there are four things that I suggest that you do. Number one, ask more questions. Ask more questions around their objection in pursuit of the real issue. You know, peel the onion, if you will. Is it price that they're not saying yes yet? Like, what is the reason that they haven't already committed to say yes? Again, this isn't the first time that they're seeing your product or service. They picked up the phone or they clicked through your website or they got a referral from someone else, right? So they know quite a bit about your product or service already at this point. So what is it that they didn't just click the yes button? If there is one, right? The, the proverbial yes button. So is it the price? Is it the usability of it? Is it, is it a time commitment, especially in more service type businesses? We, we get that sometimes even with our advising of business owners. Like, well, how much time do I have to commit to being with an advisor because I'm running my business over here as well. Now, that's un- unfortunately how some people think. Uh, instead of investing time in a service, they look at it as a time commitment that's pulling them away from other things. That would be your response to one of those objections if it's a service business, right? Like, what is the cost of you not spending this time? The number one thing to do, the first thing to do is to ask questions and really feel good about what it is that is holding them back. Once you feel like you know that, then your answers and your solutions to those objections will come a lot clearer. Number two is actively listen to those answers. When you're asking those peel peel the onion type questions and make sure, again, I think this is standard knowledge, but don't ask yes, no prices. You don't want to say, hey, is it the price? Is it the usability? More of the question is, you know, how do you feel about the price? How do you feel about the value of this? When would you use this product or service? So you're, you're asking engaging questions, not yes, no questions. So when they're giving you the answers, you want to be actively listening. Listen for the cues that they're maybe not saying. Uh, the third part of this of how to handle objections is to acknowledge their concern. People tend to feel like if they're holding back from something and they say, well, it's price, you know, I'll, I'll go extreme here. You know, you wouldn't want to say, oh, well, we have no problem selling at this price to other people. That's not real empathetic, which is actually the fourth part of responding empathetically. That would make them feel stupid and or feel like you really weren't listening to them, right? So make sure you acknowledge the concern of like, yes, you know what? We, we are not the cheapest in our industry or in this product or service but we actually provide additional value because of X, Y, and Z. And that's why we um, have a higher price point than other people. So you can acknowledge, yes, you're right. You can find this cheaper if that is, if, if price, for an example, was a concern. So the third part of that was to acknowledge the concern. And fourth is to respond empathetically with the solution to that concern. So empathetically, like, oh, okay, 
maybe it's a time commitment that is holding them back. And I can, you know, so an answer to that in the example I just gave of like a, a business owner looking for some kind of service to help them with their business, right? That's, that's who, who you are. So you can probably relate to this, but respond empathetically. I can totally understand where you're coming from. I remember being in that same part of growing my business and it is hard to carve out two to three hours a month to focus on X, Y, and Z. So I completely relate. However, with our products or services, I really believe that you will have a five-time return based on you know X, Y, and Z. So that's where that's an example of responding empathetically. Saying, I get it. I get it. I've been there. Or we, we have other clients or customers that are also have that same objection that you have. And here's how we help them. So when getting objections, the four things to do is ask more questions. Listen actively to their answer so that you can provide the right response. Acknowledge their concern. Yes, I understand. Completely get it. And number four, respond empathetically. Don't make them feel like they're the only person who has ever given you this objection. Be prepared to provide information, testimonials, case studies to address those objections. This is where you really want to make sure anyone on your team who is dealing with prospective clients or customers that they are prepared, have information. There, I've, I, I've seen, I've helped create matrices of like when we get these type of objections, here are some of the tools or resources that we can pull up. Maybe they're testimonials or like I just mentioned, case studies um, of where other people have had that same objection or something that's holding them back from saying yes. And you can say, here are people who are just like you who had the same and, you know, just basically provide resources. I see this a lot where it's in like the business owner's mind or the business owner can do a really good job of sharing some of those testimonials or case studies, but they forget to share it with their team. Uh, and we're going to talk about a little bit more of the team in part four of this series. So make sure you tune in for that. But if you have a team right now who's also dealing with with prospective customers, you want to make sure that they're prepared. When someone pushes back and isn't ready to pull the trigger, that is when you need to make sure your emotions are in check. So oftentimes, especially as a business owner, someone might say something that makes you feel like it's a personal attack. Like they don't think the thing that you think is amazing enough to have built a business around it's going to help them. And it's really hard sometimes, not especially depending on how they say it, it's hard not to feel personally attacked. This is your baby. This is your business. So just really make sure that emotions are in check when you're, when you're handling objections and be, you know, basically be really prepared knowing that objections are going to come up. So keep that in mind. It's an opportunity to build trust with this prospect. It's to clarify misunderstandings, ultimately moving the sale forward. If someone isn't quite committed, basically they just need more information. So go back to the four action steps that I just mentioned and start asking more questions again and then respond based on those. So that is handling uh, some of those objections. Now, let's talk about another strategy of techniques for sealing the deal. So in this part of the process, we have gotten through the objections. This is where the rubber meets the road in sales. This is the moment when your prospect commits to being a customer or client. 
It's essential to be confident and persistent while respecting your prospect's time. And this, uh, what I mean by that is if they needed some time in between that objection handling to the point where they said, yes, we don't want to be overly annoying. We want to be respectful of their time, but we also want to make sure we don't lose interest, right? Rubber meets the road. We're sealing the deal. Various closing techniques can be employed, such as the uh, the assumptive close, the alternative close, the summary close. There's all kinds of sales techniques out there on how you can get your prospect to say yes, right? However, the most effective technique is to simply ask for the sale directly. So honestly, most people say something along the lines of, hey, would you like to proceed with you know, the purchase of my X, Y, and Z today? That works. It's the bold request. There's nothing wrong with it. But personally, I prefer and I coach to not using yes and no questions in the sales process. I prefer a question along the lines of, is there anything holding you back today from making this purchase? Or is there anything holding you back from making this purchase today? You see how that opens it up? That opens up some more of those objections. Are you an accomplished woman business owner with a story to tell? Do you crave a platform where you can share your journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Hey, everyone, it's Tina here. If you're fans of the show, then you know we are a show that celebrates the strengths and resilience of women entrepreneurs just like you. As we're getting this podcasting community going, I thought it would be fitting to an extended invitation to apply to join me as a guest on our top 100 podcast platform. I started Women Choosing Growth because I believe that real growth happens when we come together and share our expertise and our experiences. We want to hear your inspiring stories, the challenges you face, and the lessons you've learned on your entrepreneur journey. Whether you've triumphed over adversity or face setbacks head on, your story has the power to inspire and empower other women just like you. This platform is for you to showcase your achievements, highlight your expertise, and create meaningful connections within our community. So if you're a fearless woman business owner, unafraid to open up about your path to success, we want you on our show. Go to www.womenchoosinggrowth.com and join our community. From there, you'll be given the chance to fill out the short application. If you believe that you have a story to share, then why not? Once again, it's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. I can't wait to feature more amazing and talented women in this community. Now, back to the show. Think about the difference in those questions. Are you ready to purchase today? Someone can say, no, I'm not quite ready. I will call you or, hey, send me some information and I'll get back to you. Those are dreaded words in a sales process versus... What is holding you back from making this purchase today? Or is there anything holding you back from making this purchase today? They have to answer, right? They have to give you the, well, I need to talk to my spouse or uh, I need to check my calendar, whatever it is. Now you have not only information on why certain prospects don't automatically say yes, and you can work on that in your sales pitch, but you also can address that right then and there. So you'll, you'll know more of an honest answer of why 
they may not be ready today. So think about those different, the the way that you're saying it. So I prefer to deal with all the objections here rather than someone saying a sheep is sure I'll buy your thing and then they back out at the last minute. So this way, all objections are out. I've answered all of their questions and they're truly ready to sign on the line. So keep in mind that timing is everything. Pay attention to your prospects' cues and be prepared to adjust your timing of that accordingly. If they do need some extra time to think about it, ask uh, another deep question. What is there? What other information can I provide you that will help you make a decision in this process? Right? So they say, no, I have everything that I need. Well, what would be holding you back from saying yes then? Right? We go back to that question. So that, those are just think about and go back to a written, hopefully you have a written sales script, especially if you have a team and make sure that some of those open-ended questions are on there for sealing the deal. The next strategy we're going to talk about here is the negotiating skills. Now, negotiating is an internal part of the sales process. It is, it's in there somewhere for a lot of the times. It's the bridge that connects what you're offering with, with what your prospect is willing to pay. So it's, it's closing that gap. Sometimes what you're offering, what, the price that you're offering is perfectly fine and, and there is no negotiating. Um, but sometimes there's going to be that gap. So the goal of negotiation should always be to reach a win-win agreement where both parties feel satisfied. Now, let me preface this section and make it very, very clear I do not believe in negotiating probably the majority of services out there. However, there are some industries or products or products and services where negotiation is normal or where it's, can I say, acceptable? So I'm, I'm definitely not saying I don't know what your business is uh, or, you know, so I'm not saying that negotiation is something you should consider. But if you are, then first and foremost, make sure that you already have exhausted all other objections and that cost is really the thing that's holding that prospect back. Nothing is worse than negotiating your price with someone that was willing to pay full price in the first place, right? So if they, there's, there's a lot of people that my father is actually someone who likes to negotiate it, even if he's willing to pay full price. I learned this at an early age when we were shopping for a Christmas tree. and. Christmas trees are not that expensive. This is, uh, you know, on a Christmas tree lot. But, you know, I carry that forward. He negotiates it, tries to negotiate everything. There are people out there like that. I don't blame them. But you want to make sure that price, before you start negotiating your price, that it is really the thing that's holding back your prospect from paying or from saying yes. So my other big advice is don't be the used car sales guy, right? We all know of the the pressure or the i feel like when someone uh, when a, when a company is willing to knock off a substantial amount off the original price like i'm talking a big price or a big chunk of the price it gives it in this my personal opinion my personal feelings it gives me the feeling that your company doesn't have integrity right unless it's i can't think of i, I guess i wasn't prepared to think of an industry where it would be okay but I honestly feel, and again, I, I would be a prospect, right? So not everyone, I can say, not everyone feels this way. I don't like the big, you know, I'm going to knock off. It's a $20,000 commitment, but 
you you know, I keep knocking you down and next thing you know, I've got it for 8,000. Like I've seen things like that. Honestly, that makes me mad. Why are you starting at 20 if you're willing to take something for eight? Like just be honest and sell it for 10. So be really careful not to be willing to come so far down. What I really like to give advice to is know your limit before even putting your product or service out for purchase. Know what your bottom dollar is. And again, I'm only talking to the people who would negotiate their products or services. Know what your margin is. What is the lowest you're willing to sell this thing at and still make a profit that makes sense in your business? If everyone sold at this price, would you still be able to run your business and you know keep the staff and all the things? So margins are important to know. What other options can you provide a prospect that isn't discounting your brand? This is where I typically go with clients. Before we negotiate, what can you do for that prospect who might have an objection to paying the price that you're offering? What can you do that maybe gives them an option to tiptoe, especially in service industries? I see this more often where someone's like, gosh, that's a commitment to think that you're going to provide me the service. Because a lot of times service, you don't have something tangible right out of the gate, right? So what can you give a customer or a prospect that they can sort of tiptoe, get to know your business, get to know, get, get a feel for your services? Can you provide a little less of the service for say three months? Like, hey, we'll do less of what we were offering to do before um, for the first three months. And then it will automatically go to the new price and you'll get the additional, you know, services, additional bullet points of whatever it is that in this example. Or is there a trial period that you can offer? Or is there a similar product that is less expensive? Is there, I think I just said a trial period, like where they can test it for a while, right? And and pay a lesser price. Certainly not saying to give anything away for free, but think through your business and what can you provide that if they're truly not going to pay the price up front because they're scared of what the outcome would be. Number one, you might not have done a good enough um, job at selling them the solution to their problem, right? They don't believe that you're, they're not quite sold that whatever it is you're selling is going to solve their problem. You might want to go back to that, but it might truly be a cash flow issue that they literally want it, but they can't afford it right now. So what can you do to be able to provide that and not give the farm away? Right. So again, negotiating is a specific industry, specific business thing. It goes without saying too that during the negotiations to stay calm and be an active listener. Again, you'll hear that active listening is so important during the sales process. Really hear what they're saying and not necessarily the words that they're saying. It's not a battle. It's all about collaboration. It's not about who wins. It's not that you have to win or that they're going to win. It's really about building a relationship of trust at this stage. Um, And if you do that and you do that well, you can have a long lasting customer and partnership with that person. So the final strategy today is keeping your customer satisfied and coming back. We said this in part one of the series that the sales process does not end at the sale. It actually continues on after the 
after you have the customer. Happy, satisfied customers are more likely to become loyal, repeat customers and brand advocates. So even if you don't have a product or service where where there's traditional repeat business, they can still be a brand advocate for you. So think about how do you keep your customer satisfied after the sale? Perhaps create a seamless customer experience by offering any kind of post-sale support. Be responsive to inquiries. Go the extra mile to exceed expectations. Stay in the loop with them. Personalize and be proactive because again, they know people. If they are someone who had this problem that you solved or your products or services solved, they probably have friends and hang out with people who also have that same problem. So if we go to the anti-aging, matter of fact, I was just on with clients two days ago that at the beginning of a session, it was one of our group sessions. Obviously, we were not planning to talk about anti-aging, but um, somehow that came up and we were sharing uh, Black Friday sales for some anti-aging cream. <laughs> so that's probably why that's on top of my mind. That's just it. It's like no reason I would have shared any of that information with clients, but it came up and now I shared a business's uh, actual product with five other women. So that's how it happens. That's how we create those additional customers and fill the top of the pipeline again. Ways that you can keep them engaged, invite them to your social media. So after the sale, you can send out email series. I think emails are gold. You just have to do them right and not too annoying. And I say that because I am an unsubscribe queen. Um, Make sure that your timing is ideal on how often you're sending out things to your customers after the sale. But invite them. Maybe an email is about inviting them to social media. That way they can follow you at their own pace as well. We talked a little bit about customer appreciation events. Like what can you do to bring back customers? Have them bring some of their friends to different events. It's so much less expensive to have to spend a little bit of money if if you even have to spend money. Sometimes you don't even have to for customer appreciation event that you can automatically get additional prospects out of that. Uh, give holiday gifts, like whatever. There's so many different ways, creative ways, engaging ways to keep those customers top of mind where your business is top of mind for them. So think through some of those things. I'm not going to spend more time on that, but it can definitely help you with some of those depending on your business. So my biggest advice here is to make sure that you're keeping the after the sale to be part of your process. It can't be an afterthought. It can't be random. Can't be I mean if it if it's if you've never done it before and now you're listening to this, it it can start today, but make sure someone is in charge of this program in your organization. Make sure you have workflows around the 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 actual customer satisfaction make sure someone is focused on it and that it's not just like, oh man, we haven't done anything for our current customers or we haven't called this this client, especially if it's a service that you're providing. Make sure that someone is engaging with them in the past. I can... Engaging with them if they've bought in the past. I can honestly say there was a period of time in our home healthcare business where this was not good. I remember looking at this and being like, oh my gosh, we have had clients for you know 6 months where they were getting the service of home health care aid in their home but no one from management had checked in on them no one from management had asked if they liked the person that was coming to their home we never made sure that they were okay like how would they rate our service 
we we didn't go back to those people. They were getting the service we were providing. We just never checked on them from a company standpoint. So make sure that you think through, depending on your business and what it is that you're providing, like how can you really keep those customers engaged and find out information? Can you do something better? Do they have friends? You know, all the things. So maintain open lines of communication is basically what I'm saying. And again, it's gathering feedback from how can you improve your products or services? Make your customers feel valued. You can foster some seriously strong and lasting relationships. And again, they know people, right? So they can fill the top of your funnel with referrals. So that wraps up the strategies for effective sales techniques. We are going to be, let's see what we just covered. We, before I get into next episode, we just covered the crafting your compelling sales pitch, handling objections, techniques for sealing the deal, mastering your negotiating skills, and keeping your customers satisfied and coming back for more. So that's what we just covered. Remember, if you want help with any of these sales techniques, please reach out to me via email at tina at womenchoosinggrowth.com. Our team offers one-on-one advising and also group programs where you're not only getting help from advisors such as myself or someone else on our team, but also in the group programs, you can learn from others who are on the same growth journey as you. So reach out to me if these sales strategies make sense, but you're like, dang, how do I even do that? Or I wish I knew more about that section in either any of the episodes, honestly you can reach out to me at tina at womenchoosinggrowth.com and we will have a chat and see how we can help. So I really appreciate you joining us today. So I look forward to concluding this four-part series with you. Until then, keep honing your sales skills, making those deals happen. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. The Woman Choosing Growth Show is not just another podcast. It's a tribe of women helping each other grow. So please share this podcast with all the women entrepreneurs that you would love to see succeed. If you'd like to know more about customized business advising through Cultivate Advisors, download business tools, or sign up for upcoming events, visit www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Once again, that's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Remember, we are in this together. See you on the next one.